Well, I am excited today to be joined by my friend, fellow explorer, uh, entrepreneur, Ben Pospisil. Ben, how you doing, bud? Man, so excited to finally be on your podcast. This is amazing. <laughs> we go way back, and um, I know you've kind of lately, last couple of years, been taking the red pill of ancient history, and mm -hmm. uh, you reached out to me about asking, have you seen the new Netflix documentary, Ancient Apocalypse? And I was like, dude, I just watched the first episode, and I'm thinking about recapping these, and I loved it. You were, you were bold. You were like, hey, let me be your co-host. So here we are. <laughs> So yeah, for, for listeners who may not know, we're talking about the new Netflix series that just released this last Friday. It's by Graham Hancock, and it's called Ancient Apocalypse. And this is where Graham Hancock is traveling the globe. He's hunting for evidence of what he calls a mysterious lost civilization dating back to the last ice age. And now what makes this series obviously so huge in the megalithic marvels world is that this is really the first time a film and Ben, I think I was explaining this to you goes against the mainstream narrative history. It's, it's kind of the first time it's been released and promoted by a major modern streaming platform like Netflix. And obviously the mainstream narrative of history basically tells us that the further we look back in time, the more archaic the ancients were, right? The more inferior their methods of architecture. Um, but this series paints a whole different story, doesn't it, Ben? Yeah, it really does. And there's so much to unpack in this first episode. It's amazing. Yeah. And to set this up. So I just, I just talked about the uh, mainstream narrative history and to kind of, again, if you're a little bit new to this world of megalithic history, I want to break that down for you. So I did a Google search yesterday and I Googled ancient history timeline. And um, I, I, I recommend everybody try this. Ben, you got to try this. Google okay. ancient history timeline. And you're going to obviously see all these things pop up. And the first uh, search on the top that pops up, of course, is from Wikipedia, right? Uh -huh. And when you click on it, in, what's that? I said the experts. Yeah, the experts, right? When you click on their ancient history timeline, here's just three examples of what you see. It says uh, 2200 BC, completion of Stonehenge. Uh, 2560 BC, it says King Khufu completes the Great Pyramids of Giza. Okay, I got to stop right there because... Uh, a, they're saying that King Khufu completed this pyramid uh, not that long ago, really, 2500 BC. Um, and if you read further, they're going to say he made it as a tomb. So right there, there's all kinds of problems. Because uh, if you go in the Great Pyramid like I have and many others have and uh, many other great researchers have written about, this thing is not even functional to be a tomb. No hieroglyphs. No ancient Egyptian artwork depictions. No mummies were ever discovered in any of the Great Pyramids, right? And then you look at the geology and weathering, and these things are probably far, far older than, uh, you know, 
2500 BC. Okay, so that's, and then you go to the very end of uh, Wikipedia's timeline. Guess what date it gives you? 3200 BC is where their timeline ends, and it says uh, Sumerian cuneiform writing system and Egyptian hieroglyphs are first used. Um, I say all that to say the mainstream narrative is that 3200 BC is kind of where it all started, and uh, there's really not a whole lot to look at or think about uh, before then. Isn't that nuts, Ben? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there, there's there's a lot that happened way before then, but uh, that is pretty wild. I mean, it, it's 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 kind of like what else is happening, and who's not telling us anything? Where's where's all the where's all the information? So that's why I thought when the show came out. It was so wild that someone else was giving a different narrative, like you were saying, Derek. Is like when I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I've got to call Derek. I've got to see if he's if he's even watched this. And of course, as cutting edge as you are, yes, you've seen it and you're watching it. it you know what? I'm so excited about it. It's like I, I I heard of some people that were like binge watching it all in one day. I'm like, this is too good for that. You got to save it, like one episode a week. Let me just take it in marinate on it, do a podcast about it with Ben, right? And so uh, for people who, again, may not be familiar familiar with Graham Hancock, um, I wanted to just say that, so Graham Hancock is a journalist. He's uh, from Britain. He's got a cool accent, which also makes him seem cooler than us American dudes. Um, And smarter. Why is that? Why do British guys always sound smarter than us? Um, so he's just a journalist back in the day. He was a journalist, I think covering news, writing news stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he explains in this series how he, as he traveled the world, right. He, and he would see different sites. He, he would think critically, like, how can this only be that old? And he ended up writing several books. Um, one of them was called fingerprints of the gods. And this latter book, this book he wrote really impacted Joe Rogan, who's got the biggest podcast in the world. And so for the last several years, Joe Rogan's been inviting Graham Hancock onto his show to talk about all these alternative theories of ancient history, right? Such as there being a worldwide uh, cataclysmic flood 12,000 years ago, which is a huge part of Graham Hancock's theology or belief system, right? And that an ancient advanced civilization with advanced technologies existed before this cataclysm. And so Rogan has really helped to push Graham's ideas into the mainstream to where now Netflix is launching this as a legit series. This is exciting stuff. You know, the, one of the most, one of the most crazy pieces of the first episode, I don't want to jump too far into it, but I do want to say this one part that I thought was so crazy and, I'm nowhere near as knowledgeable as you guys are, all you know, the, the, the megalithic squad. But I do think it's insane that they talked about the flood happening and occurring through every single religion. Every single religion has a historic flood that they've all addressed in their manuscripts or whatever. I didn't know that. I was like, what? So you've got you've got multiple religions all accounting, which is pretty, pretty historically true for all, you know. For most major events, but I just thought that was that was a super wild point that I, I didn't realize. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said that because that was one of my favorite parts of this episode was 
the oral tradition he shared, and I actually wrote it down so that we can, you know, talk about it here in this episode, uh, the, the narrative he shared of the oral tradition in this part of the world of a flood. It was crazy. So um, I loved how, so again, what I want to do for the next couple of weeks is kind of do what I call a rewind or a review of each episode. And so today we're going to break down a part one of Ancient Apocalypse, which is titled Once There Was a Flood. And this is where Graham travels to, Ben, tell me if I'm saying this right, Ganung, Ganung Padang? Ganung, I think it's Ganung or Ganung Padang, which, which was really close to uh, Bali. I was in Bali. And I believe I believe it's pretty close to that. I think it's just south along because there, there's Indonesian strips of islands all the way below Thailand. So it's it was it was pretty close to where I was, which I wish I would have known. <laughs> You're right. Well, now you have a reason to go back. Well, I'll and, take you uh, and so this is an uh, an Indonesian archaeological site, and uh, I love the opening statements that Graham Hancock makes in episode one. I mean, right out of the gate, he's he's coming out with both barrels blazing. He says, quote, we have forgotten something incredibly important in our own past. And I think that that incredibly important thing is a lost, advanced civilization from the Ice Age, end quote. And then he goes on to say, quote, I'm trying to overthrow the paradigm of history, end quote. So that would, to me, was just tough. Like to say, I'm trying to overthrow the paradigm of history. I mean, this guy is a serious pioneer and I've, I've listened to some other interviews recently with uh, him and Joe Rogan. We're talking about this upcoming series. Okay. And this guy, Graham Hancock, he's actually, I mean, I don't know if you call it persecution, but he's been blacklisted for decades because of his beliefs that go against the mainstream, right? Ridiculed by the scientific community, archaeological community. So it's so cool to see him kind of on the other end now as like, you know, the momentum is shifting, the surge is happening, and he's like, it's payback time. One thing that I think is crazy is this dude's just coming out blasting every single historian, geologist or whatever you want to call it. And this dude's just putting people on blast and he's literally putting his neck on the line because nobody, I mean, as you know, you go to any of these colleges, any of these archeological societies, and they're just going to shoot this dude down. They're just going to blast him. But this guy, I don't know who he's funded by or how he came to the Netflix scene, but this dude just jumped out and was like, here it is. This is actually what's going on. And you guys have been talking about this trash for God knows how long. And I'm going to show you why, why what I'm saying actually is valid. And when I saw that, that's immediately when I texted and I was like, Derek, yeah. what the heck is this show? No, I love how you said that because yeah, it's, you, you can just see the fire in him. Like again, he's suffered years of ridicule and he even mentioned on Joe Rogan's podcast, how he's been banned now in Egypt. Which is really? tragic. It's tragic. The the poor guy who loves ancient history can never go to Egypt again because they've blacklisted him because of his alternative views. I mean, that tells you right there you're over the target. What's there to hide though? Like, what are we hiding? 
maybe you know the secret. I don't know. Like what, <laughs> what is the big deal about just explore? I mean, is there so much money gone that that's gone into this? And we've, we've, you know, it's kind of like when you're like three quarters of the way done with a project and someone comes and tells you, I wish you wouldn't have built it like this. Let's go back and rebuild this project. Let's, let's, let's spend more money and more time kind of like actually building it. The, what I think is the right way to build it. I don't, I mean, what's, what have you seen? Yeah, no, I think it's multi-layered. I think the most, I, I guess the entry level reason would be if a scientific community has spent decades saying it's one thing, writing it in school history books, making their documentaries. I mean, you go to Egypt and the, you hear the mainstream narrative that again, Khufu, Khufu built a great pyramid in, you know, whatever it was, 2500 BC. And so to, to come out and agree with Graham Hancock would be to say that they were wrong <laughs> that entire time, right? It would basically be a rewrite of history. And right. it would probably cost a lot of people uh, money. It would probably cost a lot of people their careers. Um, that what you you told us this thing for this long and it wasn't true. I mean, all the Egyptologists that have been studying this stuff for the last fifty years would find out everything they said was not the truth. Yeah, imagine how many school books you'd have to replace. Yeah. So I just yeah. loved how he started out the show. Like right out with both barrels blazing. It was awesome. So, um, okay, let's talk about episode one. Um, it was so exciting. And um, I, I should say, what makes this series a little different than like the ancient alien franchise? Um, obviously, is that ancient apocalypse does not in, really include the ancient astronaut theory. They don't talk about extraterrestrials. Um, Graham is talking about a lost civilization of earth that had ancient knowledge and so to me that's a big difference there okay so in part one of this great series it's called once there was a flood uh again graham hancock is traveling to indonesia and he starts out saying quote one of the most remarkable and controversial archaeological discoveries of our time is located in java indonesia at a site known as ganun padang the initial evidence has utterly confounded mainstream archaeologists because it calls into question everything they have taught us about the prehistory of humanity, end quote. Ben, what were your initial thoughts um, as they began to show the amazing drone footage and Graham began to tell us about this site in Indonesia? Oh, yeah. My first thought is, you know, when you look, when I saw those stones in the in, in the the tiered system that you can see from the drone, it actually reminded me a lot of what's going on. A, a lot of the formations over in, is it Ireland where they've got the hexagonal kind of columns coming out of the ground, but these ones were non, they, they actually weren't in their natural, their, their natural state. So they're there. And they explained that they were laying on their sides and they were, they were, they were built in tiers. And so um, obviously they mentioned that there's, there's in between, these stones, there's mortar, right? So they, they naturally forming, they would not be stacked on top of each other. And and for the longest time, they were mentioning that these these stones that came out of the ground were actually just naturally forming. And they they weren't even. And I don't I don't know how far you want to go into the detail, but because I know we want to piece it all together. But at the end of the day, they were they were mortared together. These things were were stacked on top of each other with yeah. mortar. And being a contractor, like. 
these dudes were, I mean, anyways. Yeah, no. And you're, you, you know, a little bit about construction with your background. So, uh, I think that's a valuable insight, uh, for this site too, with what you were seeing with your eyes, but I liked how he started out saying that archeologists always just assumed that this was just a big old jungle hill, right? Out in the dense, deep jungle. Um, however, once you ascend that massive crest of the hill, uh, you see it. Um, yeah. Thousands upon thousands of these basalt, like you said, hexagonal blocks scattered everywhere. And what blew my mind was like, when you see these incredible drone shots in this episode one, I mean, I have, I'm a drone guy. I've got a drone. This was epic drone footage. And <laughs> I mean, it with the people walking, with Graham walking on the site, this was a freaking huge site. Huge. And you could tell that that whole giant center top of that hill had been cleared. Like that wasn't natural, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you see, how many thousands of blocks did he estimate were there? I think they said 50,000. 50,000. Yeah. 50, and each of them weighing a little over two tons. I believe, like, don't, don't, don't quote me on that. But over 50,000 of these blocks were stacked in a tiered formation around this site. And I love how at one point you see all the scattered blocks, but they say basically, as you look closer, you can see that they've been clearly cut, shaped. And then you begin to see these giant mounds on the site. And then they said rectangular rooms and that massive long retaining wall. There's no mistaking that was a massive retaining wall. Yeah. yeah. To me, that was just uh, incredible to see. Um, and so tell us about Ben the archaeologist guy he had on there and kind of what his basic premise was that he was sharing? Well, from, from how I remembered it, um, they were, they were talking about, um, you know, like I said, they were not, th this site was naturally forming, but they started doing geo tests on it and started pulling up different layers of this site. Um, and as they started digging down, they started getting different carbon footprints from, from all of these different layers. And oh, yeah. the further they went down, they started getting results from 10,500 years ago. And that's where I texted you. I was like, how long ago did they claim the flood happened? And you, I, you know, you, we talked about some numbers, Ed, yeah. but in the, the day they started coring out these samples, which I don't think has ever been done on that site yet. Um, and, and they, they found, I mean, they did sonar there they started scanning the ground, doing, I think it was like GSR, I don't know what it's called, uh, ground scanning, whatever, and doing all these different ground scans of the entire area. It's pretty cool. They've got these PVC pipes that shoot, you know, detection. Uh -huh. I, I don't know. It's, it was wild. I don't even know what it is. But when I saw it, I was like, okay. Um, and, yeah, but they, and discovered, the they discovered those, those, those rooms below it. Okay, I'm so glad you said that. To me, that was maybe the most fascinating reveal in episode one, right? Like you said, they were using, I think they called it GPR for ground penetrating radar. There you go. And so not only is, is it this massive hill with 50,000 cut blocks, and like you said, 
These are archaeologists from the University of Indonesia. Um, okay, so again, this isn't Joe Blow out there just messing around. These archaeologists are carbon dating, taking samples, and finding that on the, I think they said, what, the surface, the layer they dated to 500 BC, the surface layer. But when they went four meters down, it was dating to a minimum of 5200 BC. Mm-hmm. But then later... Um, but yeah, then the big reveal was with the ground penetrating radar, they found these actual giant rooms that were perfectly placed in the center, right, of each side of this structure. So that that couldn't be coincidence, right? I mean, these were like massive voided vaults. And I do did they have access to these vaults? I think it was completely closed off, right? They had no access to them. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I can't remember if they said they weren't allowed to go down, but um, you could tell that that one archaeologist was clearly expressing frustration Uh um, to his findings. Um, And it was pretty bold of him to actually come on this, you know, write this show with Graham Hancock and admit this stuff. Cause I mean, what's that mean for his career? Um, But Yeah. yeah, it was incredible. And the other thing that jumped out to me, was um, when they showed the uh, CGI recreation of what the site might have looked like. Mm-hmm. How epic was that? That was that was amazing because it had it almost had, was there was there a water feature that came from it because and didn't they mention something of a spring being up there? I don't, I don't, I don't know, know if I remember. I don't know if I but remember I, the water, but I know they said they think there was a massive staircase up the front, right? That's what it was. That's what it was. It was like this this long staircase that went all the way up the front of it on these different levels and these different tiers. And as you know, anytime you have these pyramid-style structures, most of these, are, if not all of them, are, are, are sacred grounds. So it's like what, you know, so many questions. Yeah, and I thought it was I'm a visual guy. So seeing that the digital recreation to me really gave me a visual for what this thing might have looked like and it just got you excited about the prehistoric past because uh here in Indonesia uh was likely this massive fortress on this jungle hill in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but you could see how um, in its day, in its new state, how uh, incredible this thing looked. And mm-hmm. again, it's not just a bunch of stones stacked on top of each other. This thing had chambers and rooms and um, just crazy to think about. I know they said the, the staircase that they believe existed was over 300 feet uh, yeah. tall. So that was crazy. Um, but the other part that's crazy, Derek, is all of these stones were not native to this location. Boom. None of the, these stones were not from here, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you have that in your notes, but but these these I don't know if you're planning on talking about that. Is what I'm saying. But no, no, no these, please go with this because this this to me is one of the biggest important uh, aspects. Tell us more. It, well, well, I mean, it, it's 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 not a bunch, but at the end of the day someone felt the need to carry these stinking two-ton blocks. I mean, these things, some of them were like three, four, five, six feet long, 
and they brought in 50,000 of them. I mean, so you probably needed at least two or three guys, maybe four or five guys per piece. I mean, you could do the math pretty quickly. So let's just say <laughs> 2,000 pounds. Let's just say this thing is 2,000 pounds, okay? Every man can probably carry 200 pounds comfortably. That's a lot of weight. I could probably carry a man, right? So we're, we've got 10 men. Now, you got 10 men trying to carry one piece. You got 50,000 pieces. Either, either these men were massive and it was one guy carrying lumber like he was walking out of Home Depot, or you had 10 small dudes carrying this thing. It's it, That's what blew my mind, is how the size of these things and how heavy they were, and they weren't from that location. That's the part. And then the fact that they mortared, they were mortaring between the joints. That part blew my mind. Right. That's one of the keys. These stones were not naturally just sitting on this hill. They were quarried and brought to this location up a massive hill. Like Ben said, we're talking 50,000 of these blocks. Some of them over a ton, or maybe they said two ton, but they were at least a quarter ton, I think Graham Hancock said each. Okay. So you've got quarrying going on. You've got GP, uh, GPR showing scans, showing these massive voids underneath. You've got the archaeologists themselves carbon dating, like you said, the core samples that were 15 meters below. They said 11,600 years ago or as old as 24,000 years. No uh, site in the world is that old. Well, at least no, nothing has been recorded as that old, right? Right. Right. <laughs> so you've got all of these anomalies. And then we've got, uh, that you referenced earlier, this uh, oral traditions and legends, even in Indonesia, of an ancient flood. And I took some notes, but Ben, was there anything else you wanted to say about the flood narrative that jumped out to you or anything you remember about it? Um, I mean, the, the, the flood, I mean, the main piece was that every religion was documenting a flood narrative, right? So that was wild to me. Um, the other piece that I thought was amazing was they said that the water levels were down 140 meters, which are 400 feet, something like that. I, don't, I can't convert meters that, that quickly. But to think that all of this land was actually walkable prior, prior to this flood, all the land was all connected. So that's, that's the piece that really blew my mind is, is all the way down through, uh, you know, the a Asia, all the way down into Indonesia, you were able to walk that. It wasn't all islands. So. Yeah, that's, that's insane another, to think about. I know. So, yeah, so Graham in the video says, um, he makes mention that nearly every ancient culture preserved ancient traditions of a flood. And he talked about how the, I think it's the Batak people or Batak people of Indonesia have their own tradition of a flood. And so here's what he said in a nutshell, quote, a long ago, the earth grew old and dirty. So the creator God Dabata sent a great flood to cleanse the earth of every living thing. The last human pair had taken refuge on the highest mountain, but just as the waters were about to drown them, the God repented from ending humankind. He conjured a clot of earth into being and laid it on the rising flood forming the islands of Micronesia. 
and the pair was saved and had children to repopulate the earth end quote pretty crazy that, legend is that indonesian led like like legend or or culture well that was him yeah that was him paraphrasing this uh the batak people of indonesia's oral tradition of an ancient flood i mean how how similar does that sound to the biblical flood narrative <laughs> it sounds identical dude it sounds identical wow and then I like how Graham ends um, kind of making a point that the notion that all of this is just coincidence doesn't make sense. Everything we've talked about at the site, right? And yeah. he says, uh, I believe there was a global cataclysm, you know, 12,000 some years ago, and it was preserved in legends, it was preserved in art, and it was preserved in stone. And that's why Graham is 100% correct. Almost every ancient culture has some oral tradition, art, or something in stone about an ancient cataclysmic flood. Uh, and it's crazy to consider, uh, you know, all the stories might be a little different, but they all have the same kind of story, right? About a God bringing a flood, someone or some, some people being saved, and then repopulation of the earth right how do you deny that ben i mean if and in, in the in what i thought was wild is the period that this first off it's it's very hard to deny that but the other thing that i thought that was wild was that these these structures were all in the shape of pyramids but apparently they didn't have communication with each other so how are they all working the same style of erecting these structures into a pyramid form but but apparently none of them had communication with each other. That's that's another thing I thought was wild. Okay, that's a great point. I'm so glad you brought that up because I forgot to say something earlier that I wanted to say when we were talking about the recreation, the digital recreation of the site. Graham himself said it was basically a step pyramid, right? Mm -hmm. And yep. it looked their recreation looked very similar, eerily similar. Uh, to the Mayan pyramids we see in Mexico, to uh, the Cucucan pyramid. And the site also looks similar to what you see in Peru with the Inca terracing uh -huh. and some of their structures there. So yeah, how were these people who didn't have cell phones on every far, far vast different corners of the planet building very similar structures? Uh, what kind of knowledge did they have and where did it go? It's almost like they were a global culture. They were global people. If you think about it, the only thing that makes sense is you're using similar techniques all across the globe, but you have no communication with each other. So to me, it just seems like the world was probably a lot more united than we thought. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, well, so that was us recapping part one of Ancient Apocalypse. Uh, ben, any closing thoughts um, on an episode one before I ask you to give us a teaser about episode two? Because I know you've seen it and I haven't. Um, any closing thoughts on episode one? I will say it really sparks and it really ignites uh, your mind into thinking What's really, what have we really not uncovered? And my mind, whenever I see these big cities where this, this, you know, when we, we, Sam and I were in Portugal and you've got this 
we were, we were just there in Lisbon and we were walking up this cobbled street and in the middle of this tight little street, there was this, this uh, archeological site that they had covered and it was probably 40 feet down and it was all of these, all of the, like this insane, like, 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 uh, uh, arena. It was like an arena in the middle of the little town. And my brain just goes to think like, what, if we just dig a little bit, cause obviously if there was a great flood, you know, there's a, a transfer of dirt and mud, right? Probably rock. And so you think about that is like, what's below the surface? You know, if we start digging down further, what will we uncover? And I think a lot of these ancient sites, like, I don't think we've done far enough. That's my thought. That's a great, great, great question, Ben. So, Ben, here's a question for you, because I know you live in Texas. Yes. Um, have you ever heard of a town called Rockwall, Texas? I have. It's like 20 minutes away. Okay, bro. I'm going to send you on an expedition for megalithic marvels. Really? Do you have, do you have any inclination of why it might be called rock wall texas i think i've heard about this okay because there's rock wall all around rock wall there's an ancient rock wall that seems to that's you know pretty much buried in the ground like this thing again may have predated a flood it's now been mud covered right but there's still places you can see it. All the local oral traditions talk about it. Old newspapers. This thing looks somewhat megalithic. Really? Yeah. So we're gonna have I, to have we're gonna have to send Ben on scene to Rockwall, Texas. That's amazing. So Ben, give us a. Uh, I haven't seen episode two. I know you've seen episode two. Give us a teaser without giving too much away. What's our um so episode two i'm trying to think of the episode hang on let's pause there for a second let me let me, let me remember what what episode two was um i gotta go to netflix you have to cut this out yeah no worries stranger in time oh cholula mexico oldest continuously inhabited city the journalist inspected what's largest pyramid all right so a teaser for episode two is in the middle of right near Mexico City is the largest pyramid ever created. And when I say pyramids on pyramids on pyramids on pyramids, and I'm referring to one structure, there's your teaser. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, um, Ben, thanks for joining me. This was fun. And I think our audience is really going to enjoy uh, not just hearing boring old me, but fun Ben. So thanks for your time, bro. Thank you for having me. And anytime I get to be a guest on your show, man, I'm, I'm excited. I love what you're doing. I love your discoveries and your information. And uh, you, you're crushing it. Keep doing it. How can people uh, follow you if they want to keep up with the life of Ben Pospisil? They can, they can go to Ben Pospisil on Instagram. That's where I'm at. Is that your handle, Ben Pospisil? Ben Pospisil. That's it. How do you I'm spell that? P-O-S-P-I-S-I-L. And then obviously Ben. So Ben Pospisil. P-O-S-P-I-S-I-L. So Go I'm find him, everyone. We're, we're going to do it. We need to do a documentary on Rockwall. I'll yeah, so everybody, everybody follow Ben on Instagram so you can see his future posts about 
Brock Wall. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. So much fun. Megalithic Marv.